Welcome to the UK Consult Weekly Podcast with Jonathan Bradley and Elton Daddo, engagement practitioners and general consultation superheroes at Bang the Table in the UK. Hello and welcome to week three of Jono and Elts' weekly ramble through all things digital engagement and public consultation. Jono, what sort of week have you had? Yeah, it's been good actually. I've been thinking a lot about the future of online engagement and um, online public engagement, especially around sort of how we get people to deliberate um, if they do, you know, the more we do things online. So yeah, that's kind of, that's one of the big features of my week, thinking that through. Yeah, and that'll be an ongoing thing, um, an ongoing theme that recurs throughout these, I think. Now I know I'm picking it really. I think people are starting to unpick it a little bit more now. Yeah, it's coming much more into um, public consciousness and debate at sort of national level and, and regional level as well. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that shapes up. Yeah, and we've had some new sites launch. It's been good. It's been good. It's been a very, very productive week, I think. And I have Monday off, so it seems it seems like already quite a short week. But um, well, you know yeah. what? There's a strong argument to move to a four day week. It's a thing. It's a real thing out there. Well, yeah. once the Man United games, once the Man United games start up again, you know, there's definitely scope for that. You know, all those midweek fixtures. Um, when we're at the top table of European football, and by top I mean bottom table of European football <laughs> in the Europa League, I know it'd be Thursdays, won't it? We'll have to have Thursdays off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no Thursday, no Thursday working. In fact, actually, I grew up in the Middle East in Bahrain, and Thursday um, was our last was our last day of school. Friday was a day off. Saturday back to school. Sunday day off. Oh, wow. So it was really mixed up. Yeah, yeah. So Did it work? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Don't th- I can't remember any complaints, really. Oh, brilliant. Oh, well, maybe we should introduce something like that here. Yeah. And I know last week we had a little bit of a cliffhanger around um, wildlife engagement. So I looked yeah, into this yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah wildlife engagement and i found an article in the sustainability times which i didn't know was something that even existed um, and it was looking at how community engagement is key in wildlife conservation so conservationists have long known that most efforts however well intentioned to save you know endangered species they're bound to fail unless members of local communities are enlisted for those efforts because obviously no one knows their community and the wildlife around them better than those people who inhabit it um, so it was basically a study that was conducted in Tanzania and it basically confirmed just how important community engagement is in successful conservation projects. So they gathered a lot of data and that demonstrated that one of the first areas of this type in Tanzania has had positive ecological outcomes in the form of higher wildlife densities and higher giraffe population growth when analysing areas where local communities have been more involved. So I'm thinking, obviously, where people have been in lockdown here in the UK and things like that, um, we've seen a lot more wildlife um, coming out in the meantime when people haven't been travelling around as much. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some giraffes outside my window soon as a result. It's quite possible. I mean, you know, we've had, um, you know, we've had sheep running around town centres. We've had all sorts, haven't we? So why not the yeah. other Goats are taking over the nation. It's brilliant. It's very encouraging to see. 
You know what, though? You know I live by the sea. Yeah, so you have the seagull invasions. And normally, the seagulls are, are all you can hear. Um, and what's happened recently is that you can hear all the birdsong. You can hear a real variety. It's a proper, yeah. sort of more of a choir of birds out there than just a, just a, just a normal solo singer of a seagull. So, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe as that famous Frenchman once said about seagulls following the trawler, yeah, um, maybe it's because the trawlers aren't out there. So <laughs> it could possibly be that actually. Nice <laughs> little segue into Manchester United there. <laughs> well, yeah, I thought I'd I'd keep referring back to it at various points just <laughs> just in case. Just because I know that it annoys certain people as well. So it's always important to keep annoying people throughout these podcasts as, so. as well as giving them really, really good information. Um yeah. now what sort of emerging trends and themes have you found this week in your work? Well, one of the things that I is starting to think about is how do we make online engagement bite size, and that's kind of the wrong way of saying it. The, the the real way of saying it is what somebody said at an event I was on yesterday, online obviously, um, about yeah. about the future of public engagement online was like on your couch engagement. On your couch engagement, I like yeah. that. The way that technology enhances public participation is through that capability to just like if you've got five minutes, you sat on your sofa and you just and, and you're able to just go, oh, you know, actually, that's an issue I want to get involved in. I don't yeah. need to be anywhere. I don't need to attend something. I can just like I can just go on my phone or iPad and other tablets are available and take part in a discussion forum, upload an idea to an ideas board, you know, write my story. It's just it's kind of like just become something that you can do from your couch and it's yeah like, it's how, how we content that encourages that video yeah you know podcasts like this is so it and that in itself creates a much bigger army of alert citizens citizens that are able to question and think for themselves and be involved in issues at a lot deeper level i don't know about you but i don't know anybody um, unless the issue really affects them as in somebody's going to build something in their back garden who, who yeah. thinks, oh, look, it's half past seven. I'm going to go down to the local community centre and listen to a planning consultant who's thinking of building a few houses. That's probably a crap example, but, you know, it's, it's that thing, isn't yeah, it? It happens. Yeah. yeah. Actually, if it's kind of, if he's kind of hooked into that, you know, you know that, that behaviour, that on-your-couch engagement, we might get more people participating at a deeper level. Yeah, so it requires a lot less planning and, you know, factoring time into your day and, you know, actually going somewhere to be involved maybe just for a couple of hours. Whereas, like you say, and it doesn't even have to be on the couch, it can be in bed. So you're laying in bed, looking at your phone, you're submitting an idea about something or other, um, or you're sitting outside. I know I've sat out in the sun quite a lot. And every now and then I'll just check my phone and I might contribute to something on LinkedIn or a thread or something like that. Um, and you can just sort of pick, like you say, bite size. It's like five minutes here and there. It doesn't have to be a big planned effort to go along and listen to, to people yeah. talk for hours. hours. Somebody said something that, that really sort of made my sort of like mind just buzz a little bit was um, it improves the quality of people's answers. You get, yeah. if you make it easy, a part of how they normally work and um, function in their day-to-day -day lives, then people will give you a better quality answer because they haven't got to do something that's like, oh, there's a 
25 question questionnaire here i've got and and they, and they get bored and they just they just you get poor quality responses actually yeah. if, you, if you can embed it more into on your couch behavior you will get yeah. better, better responses and then that made me think that's you know that makes that makes you think more about how we design online engagement because what we should be imagining is how is someone going to do this on their couch so yeah headphones in so let's put a video on our on our project yeah yeah so you almost take a backwards approach and you think okay so what does what are the needs of my end user what is going to most likely get them involved and then you work back from there and have your design methodology around the consultation based on your end user and that would be very different depending on the sector as well in terms of what you're looking to consult on yeah. um, but yet you can almost do a top-down approach or a backwards approach to it yeah so that's really sort of got me thinking it's an evolving area of um of thought and development isn't it Do but now last last week we touched on hardwired engagement as well and we both we both agreed that that was a really really cool name <laughs> for engagement so i did a little bit of research into that as well and just a simple there are other obviously um search engines available but upon googling it most of the references were in, in relation to employee or staff engagement so a lot of the hardwired engagement seems to sit within organizations whether that's um you know FTSE 100s or or slightly smaller organizations so they're referencing their staff being hardwired into their organizational culture and engaged in the company mission and vision for example but also prominently on that google search um, was a really interesting YouTube video that I watched by Jesse Cunnett, who is Associate Director of Health and Social Care at Traverse, uh, one of our good friends with whom we work very closely. Um, and Jesse was talking about hardwired engagement in the context of what it means to hardwire patient engagement and the need to feed real patient experiences into the process and how systems of accountability work and fail. And then she um, gave an example of a best practice hospital. So I thought I just thought that was a really interesting. I wasn't necessarily expecting hardwired engagement to bring up so much about company culture and vision, but it was also then really interesting to see that health and social care example from from Jesse as well. Yeah, definitely. That's it's it's a great way of thinking about it. And lots of local authorities talk about continuous engagement. It's probably similar, isn't it? It's like you know, get, yeah. getting the whole philosophy of engagement hardwired into your organization hardwired yeah. to your community yes yeah exactly hardwired into the whole of birmingham the whole of manchester yeah know. yeah hardwired into the city into the dna of the city yeah. <laughs> so we can take it really far <laughs> like that, though. sorry you mentioned earlier there were a lot of projects were there any particular project highlights that you saw that have been launched in engagement hq hey, well it's great that um Southend on Sea have um, launched their their site uh, this week. They've launched it with a really lovely project called Good Neighbours. Oh, brilliant! That's a really really good way to start. Yeah, yeah it's dedicated to the good neighbours um, and all the Southend residents. They want it to be a place where people are inspired by good news stories, share ideas, ask questions, and you know find out information that can support everyone being a good neighbour. So, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very early days on that one, but I'm sure it's going to be fantastic um, and really be a good case study for lots of other people um, who are interested in this kind of thing. So yeah. people can 
post their ideas on virtual note, note post-it notes. They can share and read good news stories, um, chat with others in our discussion forums, pin maps. Pin, they can put a pin on a map to show where they, you know, where they feel that their good neighbours are and things like that. So it's really Brilliant. cool. Yeah, that's a good one. So watch this space on that one and maybe we'll do an update. Yeah, maybe we can do an update. And what we'll do is as well, we'll include, so in the blurb around this, this podcast, um, we usually include the new project launch highlights as well. So you can have a, have a look for yourselves. Um, we're getting quite sophisticated then. We're getting really sophisticated. Yeah, we're actually putting a lot more context around things as we go. I hope you're not preparing. No, well, I am preparing by having a look at all of the new projects, and I, I would usually do that anyway, but I'm finding myself doing it in a little bit more detail because it's really inspiring to see the ways in which um, people are putting up projects in Engagement HQ. So the one that I found this week was South Central and West Commissioning Support Unit, and we can put the link of that one up there as well. Um, so that's basically 1,300 skilled professionals providing expert support for more than 80 NHS and non-NHS customers. So this is like a national, regional and local thing. And then what they do is they lead on the care transformation and digital transformation and care analytics and organisational development programmes. So how are they using Engagement HQ, I hear you cry. Well, I, did, okay, I didn't hear you cry, but you know what I mean. I did, I did. I <laughs> you did, you did. It was a silent one. Um, how, well, they, how, are, how are they using Engagement HQ? Well, I, <laughs> I can clarify. So they've launched a project, which you can see in the, in the link around the blurb, um, which is a really safe space for their staff to engage in um, things like how they work with each other, raising questions and concerns, um, a lot of problem solving in there as well and sharing really positive ideas and suggestions and then just generally ways around supporting each other and working together. So they've used the ideas tool to encourage staff to share ideas on better communication practices. Um, they've launched a discussion forum to discuss what key staff objectives should be. And then a Q&A to enable staff to privately ask questions of the assigned project team about strategy plans that they're developing. And then also the mapping tool, which you referenced as well. So staff can drop pin, a pin on a map and see where other staff are and connect with them, which I thought was a really great way of using it. So they can connect with other staff in nearby ge geography to them. Wow, that's another one to watch. I mean, yeah. we do... Um... We do quite a lot of case studies, don't we? So what we could do is start linking to some case studies as well um, as, yeah. part of podcast, as part of this series. So, um, yeah. And I don't, I don't think any of our listeners will be offended by you preparing some things, will they? I, well, I hope not. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be 20 minutes of um, dry Man United insults and things. <laughs> We might get some complaints about that Jonathan Bradley sounding like he's not, you know, he hasn't done any preparation, you know, as you as you raised the bar. Well, I, do, I don't know if I've raised it that much. I, I think all your preparation is always in your head, though. So it, it comes out, whereas I do like to make notes throughout the week now because I think, yeah. oh, I've seen something that's really good. My memory isn't really that great. So I'll only be sort of sitting on here going, oh, I'm sure I saw something and I know I can't, now it's gone. And then I'll miss a really good opportunity to talk about something that was really, really pertinent in the week. So yeah, I, I like to do a little bit of prep. You're like the Man United fan who's got all the retro gear, late scarf, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like the guy who turns up on the day and buys the cheap five quid scarf. 
Yeah, yeah. You haven't got your football boots and stuff. You're just yeah. wearing some old Reebok classics and yeah. <laughs> sliding around in the mud. Good job it's a podcast and they can't see us, eh? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And especially when I did try on one of those Man United tops that I mentioned in week one I was going to try. And um, just the effort to get it on and off was quite embarrassing. So it's a very, very good job that people can't see us. <laughs> um, now, last week, you had no Victor Meldrew moments to report, having had easily in excess of 12 the week before. Um, did you have any this week? I have, I have. It, it's, I, I, uh, and there may be a bit of repetition in here, but I'm, I'm going to carry this through until we get to the bottom of it. It's kind of a, it's kind of a Victor Meldrum moment, and it's a bit of a catharsis because I've, yeah. been, I've been kind of getting down about people thinking that Zoom and other video platforms are a solution to online participation, and it's been getting me down. And then actually, this week somebody published something, um, and. Um, and about the actual real phenomena, if you like, of of Zoom fatigue, it's it's a real thing. So I describe it quickly. Human beings are designed to pick up various types of visual and oral signals and what have you. So when we yeah. talk to someone, we look at their expression they've got on, how their hands are moving, their body language. It's all done subconscious, and that disappears in the Zoom environment. And, and what happens is, is is your brain can't deal with it, cannot handle it, You're staring at the screen, um, not getting that same, that usual feedback uh, loop, if you like, and you get fatigue. Oh, it's wearing, isn't it? It can be really wearing because you, you're trying to, you're using sort of extra sensory perception around what's going on, try, but you're trying to do that by looking at 20 people at once, whereas yeah. you wouldn't normally be used to doing that. Yeah. So. And I think it was one of our... Uh, one of our sort of uh, friends out there, Fraser Henderson, I think, who, point, who, who pointed that out to me. So a bit of a shout out to him for doing that. And then I was listening to a podcast about online deliberation, and it was from uh, Viv McWaters, and there was someone called Chad Fuchs in there as well. And they actually talked about breaking the trance. So when it, Yeah, so if you are going to integrate video platforms into your online participation which you know we we fully support that yeah we want it we appreciate that that's a component and we integrate it with engagement hq but you got to allow people to break the trance and that that can be about giving them some other activities to do so yeah maybe they go you know you have a bit of a video conference and then they do something else in, a, in an online discussion forum or an ideas board or something like that and then and then you fire up the zoom again after about 10 15 minutes and you come back to it uh, yeah. so big thing about breaking the trance also talked about sending people into their garden to take a picture that symbolizes for them what the discussion topic is and then they bring it back and they don't even have to upload it to the discussion they can just sort of hold their camera in front of the phone because yeah talked about the cognitive load of participation you know asking people to deal with more and more complex tech there's a cognitive load it's like oh really i've got to do yeah. this i've got to learn how to do that yeah i mean and i think that's one of the good things about having a platform people can get used to it they understand how it works they don't have to relearn every time you ask them to take part so yeah cognitive yeah, load. yeah breaking the trance it's just, this is just like a like every week there's just this whole new list of lovely buzzwords that are you know shaking up our business it's great 
Breaking the trance, right? Yeah. I might do some research around breaking the trance. That could come, anything could come out of yeah. um, researching that. <laughs> You'd probably come up with all sorts of musical references and yeah. things as well. So, so it was a Victor Meldrew moment, but it was like I am not alone. You know, yeah, I'm not alone here, and that's a nice feeling, isn't it? No, and they faced those sorts of challenges in, in education for many, many years around not just giving people a dry lecture, you know, even in a face-to-face -face environment, but getting them involved in smaller group activities and other forms of engagement. And now, obviously, in the online era, the challenges around um, engaging students online as well. Yeah. Um, but in, like you say, not just them sitting, digesting content for ages, having a variety of activities which are going to keep their brains um, motivated and keep them engaged in the subject matter. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll have a look into that for, for next week. Now, I had I had no Meldrew moments up until this morning. So I thought it was just going to be you today for this. But I, um, we might need to extend this by an hour to go over <laughs> to go through this. Um, but I'll keep it very, very brief. And I obviously won't um, name and shame. But there, there was a local council who have um, put together a draft climate action strategy for the next three years. Um, and their means of engaging the public in terms of their strategy and evolving it and consulting on it was to drop a PDF onto a website and then put in an email address and say, send us your comments and views. So, I mean, <laughs> I just can't imagine a less engaging or transparent way of conducting public consultation on mm -hmm. such a key issue. Um, and I know la last year we did hashtag not another survey but this would have been hashtag not even bothering with a survey so it was actually less than just um you know dropping a dry survey through a letterbox yeah just email us because we can't really be bothered yeah and then we can cherry pick the comments that we want to feed back on and say oh yeah look we everyone res people responded really positively to x y and yeah. z and we can just shelve anything that was slightly negative and also yeah. not engage in any ongoing discussion and debate around it which yeah. I think was even more, not criminal, well, nearly criminal, but because it's a Meldrew moment. I can say criminal in the context of it being a Meldrew moment. So, yeah. Well, you know, in the law of public consultation, you know, it could be illegal. Might be, yeah, yeah. Illegal. It might be held to account. Yeah. I might have the police yeah. and crime commission. Allegedly. Alleged. We have to be careful, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, allegedly, that, that could be criminal activity. And uh, if there, there are anyone anyone from the police and crime commissioner listening they may well be inclined to get in contact with me and force me to name and shame <laughs> uh, unfortunately uh, it's it's uh, public law not criminal law so uh, the police oh, right yeah yeah yes my happy meter which was up there because it's hump day isn't it? it's wednesday um yeah normally we do this on a, at the end of the week but somebody's on leave uh, oh yeah yeah so it's friday for me brilliant yeah. It's Friday. Um, so um, my happy meter's gone right down now. Ah. I'm back to grumpy because of your Victor Meldrew moment. So even if you hadn't had a Meldrew moment, you would have oh, been kind yeah. of brought down to earth and you'll, you'll be kind of dwelling on this now for quite yeah. some time, won't you? <laughs> what, what I've done, Elton, because you've been so good at bringing out these Victor Meldrew moments, I've dug out a, a book, an old book that, it's not that old really, but it's not new, written by somebody that I went to the same school as called Carol E. Wire, and it's called How, yeah. How Not to Murder Your Grumpy. Um, <laughs> and basically it's a book, it's like a guide for people. Says, Do you live with a grumpy old man? Does he chunter about potholes, the failing economy, 
and and the weather all day and zap through the all the TV channels at night, never pausing long enough to watch anything, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, look no further for this little book, and it's like an A to Z of things that you can do to distract grumpiness and, and, oh, and wow. yeah. So uh, I thought it'd quite be quite handy. I think you should try, yeah, read through it and then and then maybe report back to our avid listeners about which techniques have worked particularly well for you, whether it's chasing yeah. seagulls around, throwing chips at them, yeah, anything. Best, so I could easily just go through one a week. Yeah, <laughs> it can be a theme for like the highlight of the week. Yeah, we could do a book of the week actually. How Not to Murder Your Grumpy by Carol E. Wire. Oh, that sounds good. We should put the link up there. And, um, I think we will, actually. Yeah. I'm sure she'll be grateful for the 900% uplifting sales that she gets for the following yeah, week. She will. Especially, yeah, I mean, long before this podcast is generating uh, revenue. We'll have loads of clickbait up there. It'd be great. It would it will only, I mean, obviously, we have quite a few hundred thousands of listeners now. Um, yeah, it's, it's only going to help to boost her sales. I think so. <laughs> Well, it's been another brilliant water cooler type catch up, obviously with social distancing fully in place. Um, I think we should do it next week unless you're on holiday and then I'm going to be grumpy. No, unless we've started the four day week by then. But, you know, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, if not, we'll just coordinate diaries. We're pretty organised. <laughs> well, until next time. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in to the UK Consult. Join us for future conversations each week as we continue to explore the tremendous, meaningful and ever-evolving world of digital consultation and community engagement. You can view additional educational resources at bangthetable.com.